0: Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Hey, what a beautiful time we've had already this morning. And uh, I do believe God's got some things to say. Hey, shout out to Deb Peacock. She's ministering at uh, Woodford Church this morning. So, um, yeah, hey, Lord, we just, we just bless Deb, we bless Woodford Baptist Church today, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would be powerfully at work. And as she brings a word there today, God, we pray that there would be a revelation of your goodness in people there, Father. We pray for a prophetic ministry that sees your power released over people, um, new futures, released over people, God, and we just thank you that we get to be a part of the kingdom at work, Father. It's awesome, God, and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Great. We're going to get into it. Genesis 12 is where we're going to begin today. Grab your Bibles out and go there with me. Genesis 12. It will come up on the screen, there we go. That is good. Give me a hoot if you're there. What a reserved bunch. Wow. Can anyone give me a better hoot than that? (laughs) Great. The joy is breaking out now. (laughs) Okay, Genesis 12, let's go. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So today I'm gonna share with you a little bit of God's heart for Israel and I'm gonna speak into a little bit of what is currently happening there in the war And uh, maybe help answer some questions or fill in some gaps that people have. You know, I've been a Christian uh, for over 20 years now. Uh, I've been a Christian leader for almost as long as that. And over those 20 years, I have to admit, I had no idea about God's heart from Israel. No idea. And uh, being charismatic church, we get some interesting characters come along at times uh, are there any interesting characters here today? <laughs> Great to see you know who you are. And, um, but we do, and, and over the years, we've had people come and visit and, and they've grabbed me after church or before church and they've hit me with this question. It's come up over and over again. I just want to know what your church's position is on Israel. And to be honest, I had no idea what that question really meant. And I would say, well, you know, Israel's a cool place, isn't it? You know, like, I see it's in the Bible as well. (laughs) And uh, that clearly wasn't the answer or the response they were looking for. And they are fellowshipping elsewhere at this time. (laughs) Um, All that to say that uh, about a year ago now, God started bringing Israel to my attention and uh, over that time, one of the things I felt he was really showing me to do was go to Israel to get my feet on the ground. And I felt like he was saying to me, you will get my heart when you get to Israel. And so uh, I talked to some of our team and we put together this trip, as many of you know. And in October, uh, we went to Israel. And so we landed two days after the war in Israel had started. Not super convenient. But... Um, So we were only there for two days before we had to get out and uh, many, many people here were praying for us. And I can tell you that God answered those prayers and we were able to get out of Israel miraculously. Uh, It was God's help that kept us safe and got us out. Um, But over this time, God has shown me that we need to understand his heart for Israel. And I know that God takes us all on these different journeys and the beauty of his grace means that He guides us and leads us and we all have our own unique journeys that He guides us through. But Israel is close to God's heart. And so today I wanna kind of bring some stuff to you and I bring it with an awareness that there are some people in the room and maybe you're like me and you're just thinking, how the heck is Israel relevant to me in any way? And my prayer is that I don't believe that I can do a good job or that it is even my job of convincing you of this. And so my prayer has been that somehow as we go to God's Word and as I I teach into some things today is that the Holy Spirit would come and actually open our hearts to the Father's heart and that He would do something supernatural in this place, and that our eyes would be open to this, and that what the Lord wants to reveal to each one of us on our journeys, the Lord will reveal. And so, Father, we pray for that this morning, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that your voice is the loudest voice in this room for those who are joining online as well, God, that you are speaking, God. And uh, we want your truth and we want your heart, Father. And so, To the best of our ability, we just say yes and amen to opening our heart to anything that you want to say and do in us today. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So when I was in Israel, I actually got to go and stand in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Who in the room has been there as well? How many people? Okay, quite a few people. For me, that was an amazing experience. So the Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus went and spent the night in prayer before he was betrayed and went to the cross. Uh, The disciples were with him. It's an olive grove. And today, those olive trees are still there. So they are thousands of years old. There's a picture of of what that looks like. You can't actually walk through it. There's a fence around it, but it's all beautifully looked after. And those olive trees that are thousands of years old even still have olives growing on them. And I just thought it was amazing. And as I stood in that place, I was so overwhelmed with this sense that I am standing in a place that we read about in our Bibles and where Jesus actually stood also. Isn't that a wonderful thing that when we open our Scriptures, that this is stuff that really happened? Like we can go and we can see these places. We can go and we can be where Jesus was. The reason I raise this is because the Bible actually has a lot to say about Israel. If you read the Old Testament, it is essentially the story of Israel, God's chosen people. And we see this foreshadowing of Jesus. The Old Testament is pointing to Jesus. And then we come to the New Testament and we see the Messiah Jesus come from heaven, God's gift to the world to pay the price for our sins. And he came, he was born in Israel. He lived in Israel. He was crucified in Israel. He rose again in Israel and he will come again to Israel. So there is a lot of relevance in the Scriptures to Israel. And I want you to know that the God that we have been worshipping this morning is the God of Israel. This is who he is. And so it is hard to not read the Scriptures and see that this is intricately entwined in God's plan, God's redemptive plan, as we heard even as we took communion this morning. Israel is close to the Father's heart. Now, right now, with the war in Israel, you know there's a lot of questions and opinions about who the land really belongs to. And so I want to show you some stuff from Scripture this morning about the land and the people. In Genesis 12, we see this. We see that God gave this land to Israel. So the covenant that we just read in Genesis 12 was God's blessing to Abram saying that, I will make you into a great nation and I have a land for you. This is the people of Israel and this is the nation of Israel. This is what he was talking about. Now, this occurred 4,000 years ago, all right? Any debate proceed after that has to come back to this point where we see that God actually gave this land to Israel. And so in Genesis 15, God comes, He makes this covenant with Abraham. Uh, we see the actual ceremony take place there. The covenant is an agreement. It is a promise. That is eternal. It is something that God will keep. And so, this is what, let me just read this one more time. Genesis 12, God said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All right, are you still with me? OK, can I give you a bit of a, a little bit of a history lesson today? Now, I, I, as I said, I am a rookie in this space, OK? So I have been learning and I have been studying. I want to be really upfront. This is not stuff that I know well, OK? So I'm bringing you this stuff, and some of you are going to know it way better than me. Some of you won't. The short version of this story of Israel we read in the early chapters of Genesis, is that after God gives this promise and many, many years of waiting, Abram and Sarai still haven't fallen pregnant, right? And now that's a pretty important factor if God is gonna turn him into a great nation, all right? He needs some sons and nothing has happened. And so in a lapse of faith, Sarai says to Abram, I want you to take our maid Hagar and sleep with her and see if you can conceive that way. Abram's like, okay, sounds like a sweet deal. (laughs) Sleeps with Hagar, you know what happens? She conceives. She gives birth to a boy whose name is Ishmael. Now, in Genesis 17 and 12 years later, God comes to Abram again and this time he meets Abram and he reminds him of the promise and he changes his name to Abraham and he changes Sarai's name to Sarah, okay, because he has new things for them. And God tells Abraham in this moment, he says, Sarah is actually going to conceive of a boy and you are going to call him Isaac, okay? And my covenant is going to be with Isaac and Isaac. I'm going to turn him into a great nation. Okay, are you still with me? So over time, Isaac is born. Isaac has two sons, um, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob goes on to have 12 sons who become Israel. And after many years, the story goes on and Israel end up in captivity under Egypt. Moses leads them out of slavery and Joshua leads them into the promised land, Israel. All right, are you with me? Now, if we fast forward a little bit more, we get to 586 BC and the Babylonians come and they conquer Israel. How is that to happen when Israel are God's chosen people? Israel have broken the covenant. They have turned their back on God after many, many, many warnings They now receive God's judgment for their sin and God allows the Babylonian Empire to come and conquer them. They come and conquer, they destroy the temple, they take exiles with them, it's bad. Okay. Then over the years, as we fast forward through history, many other empires come and conquer that same land. So, the Persians come, they conquer the Babylonians, the Greeks come, they conquer the Persians, the Romans come, the Byzantines come, the Arab Islamic Empire come, the Catholic Crusaders come, the Mamluks come, the Ottomans come, and finally, the British Empire comes. All right? How are you going with your history lesson? There's about three people who are excited about these. That's all right. Now, it is not until, so we were at 586 BC when the Babylonians came and conquered. It's not until 1948 that the Jews finally got their land back. All right, two and a half thousand years. So these are people who have been dispersed that whole time. If you can imagine what that's like. that's super difficult and super painful. Now, we actually got to see uh, evidence of this while we were there. We went on this tour. So we had one day of peace while we are in Israel. We went on a tour at the Western Wall. And I've got a photo here of where we actually went. There is, uh, if we go back a couple, Josh, is, is there a photo? Um, there's a Roman streetscape that's been uncovered. There you go. So this This streetscape that we see, the bottom level there, is actually a Roman road. This was just uncovered during COVID. Uh, We went on a tour that took us down the levels that they've excavated. So as each empire came in, they just obliterated the last empire. They just demolished them and then they went, great, now we've got a foundation to build our city on. And they build a city on that. Next empire comes in, demolishes that. They go, great, now we've got a new foundation to build our city on. So over the years, all these levels in this valley have just been built on. And so over time, archaeologists have excavated through this and you actually get to walk down through each level of history. Until we got to this Roman street, which as I said, has just recently been excavated and we got to see a street that Jesus literally would Have walked on. Now, behind it in that photo is the foundation of the Western Wall. And so that was the temple. And this room in itself, I can't even describe how incredible it was just standing in that room and knowing that this this is where so many things actually happened. So, right now in Israel, there is a war going on between Hamas and Israel. And the war is in a place called Gaza, which is where the Palestinian people live. And I want to, can I add a bit of geography lesson to this now? Okay. I even drew some maps. Okay. So if we get the first map up, here is just a map. Mate, I've got some encouragers in the front row. I just heard someone say, I love maps. Here's a map of the Middle East. And uh, I'll come back here and just show you. But here we have um, Israel on this map, Jordan, and this little slice here is Gaza where the Palestinian people live. Now, this war, I guess, I guess many people are actually asking right now, uh, where do the Palestinian people come from? Because the war is taking place where they live They are being pushed out of that place because of the war and many people are talking about the Palestinian people. So for any of the history nerds here, you're going to love this. The Palestinian people, this goes back to AD uh, 135. So 135 years AD after Jesus, okay? And there was a Jewish uprising in Israel and the Roman um, emperor Hadrian actually um, squashed this uprising and dispersed the Jews, kicked the Jews out, said, you can't be here anymore. And then what he did, to spite the Jews, he renamed that whole area the Latin word Palestina. Now, why did he do this? Because it is the same word for Philistines. And the Philistines have been the ongoing enemies of Israel Forever. And so he wanted to dishonour them, he wanted to spite them and so he named that whole land Palestina and this is where we get the Palestinians from. Now this name actually stuck right through until 1948 when the State of Israel was recognised and the Jews were able to change the name back to Israel. Now here's our map of the Middle East. In Genesis 15, 18 God gives more detail about the land that he is giving to Israel. He says this The Lord said to Abram, I have given you this land, and he describes the location from the Nile to the Euphrates. All right, so if we jump to this next map, you're going to see that pink region there is the area that God actually gave to Israel from the Nile to the Euphrates and caught in on the edge by the Mediterranean Sea. All right. Now, Israel never actually possessed that much land. Under King David's rule, he was able to actually expand the land they did possess. uh, But that's the land that God actually gave them. So many, many times uh, different empires have come in and conquered that land there, right? Um, In World War I, the Brits defeated the Turks who had the land at the time. And the Brits actually did an amazing thing and they recognised that Israel has been pushed out of this land and they actually need a homeland and that this is their homeland. And so the Brits actually said, we're going to give this land back to Israel. And in 1917, under an agreement called the Balfour Declaration, they agreed to give this land back to Israel. Okay. Now, I'll show you this next map. Um, this is the, is the green and the blue section is a section where, that they agreed to give back to Israel, okay? Now, before long, there was an Arab family who kicked up a fuss about this and they said, well, why would Israel get all this land? We want some land. And Winston Churchill actually said, uh, I'm going to renege on this deal and I'm going to give you guys some land and I'm going to give Israel some land as well. And what he did is he literally went up to the map and using the Jordan River as a guide, he drew a line straight down here. Okay, this is where the Jordan River goes. And he said, this side I'm going to give to you, to the Arabs, and this blue area I'm going to give to you, Israel. So suddenly they had a smaller slice again, right? On the east side, it was called the Transjordan, which it was called that until 1948 when it just became Jordan. And on the left side, it was still called Palestine up until 1948. Are you still with me? Okay. And so then I want you to see now, if we go to the next map, here is what Israel has ended up with compared to what God actually gave them. Now, it was always Palestine for years and years Until they were able to change the name in 1948, when the UN recognised them, and finally, Israel had a home once again. All right. Is anyone still with me? Okay. Are the map lovers still here? Great. So we see that it is only a tiny piece of the land that they currently possess from what God actually gave to them. Alright, it's been conquered many, many times. But here's what I want you to see, is that the land always belonged to the Jews. God gave that land to the Jews. You know, Australia doesn't make a mention in the Bible. America doesn't get a mention in the Bible. Israel gets a mention in the Bible. Okay? Now, I want you to know this, that it is not just uh, biblical evidence that supports this historically. There is archaeological evidence outside of the Bible that still supports this, okay? Um, Even the Egyptians and the Canaanites have written things that acknowledge that that land is Israel's land and they were both enemies of Israel. If they wanted to take that or discredit that in any way, they never would have written about that. But there are other sources, even enemy sources, that acknowledge that this is true, all right? So the question is, as we look at Israel, is one of the big questions, there's a war raging right now. Why is it that this one nation that God said would be a blessing has been so hated throughout history? There have been so many evil attempts to completely destroy Israel. Uh, Hitler did a great job of killing six million European Jews. Just an absolute tragedy. Uh, And over the years, there have been so many attacks just to wipe them out completely. In Ephesians 6.12, it says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The reason is this, is because this is a spiritual war. We see it being played out in the physical, but this is a spiritual war. Now, let me take you back to the beginning again. You remember Abraham, he had two children, one to Hagar, one to Sarah, and the one to Hagar's name was Ishmael. An angel of the Lord appeared, and this is what the angel had to say about Ishmael in Genesis 16:12. He said, "'He will be a wild donkey of a man. "'His hand will be against everyone.'" in everyone's hand against him and he will live in hostility toward all his brothers so all the way back at the very beginning of the promise the covenant the spiritual battle started right there god promised that they would be a blessing to the earth and the enemy wants to steal that promise so we have two lines coming we have hagar and ishmael and we have Sarah and Isaac. One is the father, the descendants of the Arabs and the Palestinian people. And one is the father and the descendants of the nation of Israel and the Jews. All right. How are we tracking? Is this helping anyone? Okay. Scripture gives us no doubt that these are God's chosen people and the covenant is with them. So, right now, Israel is at war with Hamas. In Arabic, Hamas means zeal. But most people don't know that the word Hamas actually appears in scriptures. So, our scriptures are super prophetic. There are things in our scriptures that are still to come to pass. Okay? And people say, oh, you know, what's in the Bible? There's a lot of stuff about everyday life right now in the Scriptures. So in Genesis 6.11, and Deb shared on this a little bit last week when she shared on Noah, it says this, Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. Now, that word violence is the Hebrew word Hamas. And we know that God sent a flood to clean the world of Hamas. Okay? Now, I want you to see this. Hamas is not just a terrorist organization. Hamas is an evil spirit of violence. This evil spirit just wants to kill, wants to destroy. And a better translation of Genesis 16 reads that the world was not just full of violence, but was actually possessed with violence the spirit of violence. So God sent the flood to wipe out those who were filled with the spirit of violence. Those who were saved was Noah and his family who were uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit. Much better, much better spirit. I really can attest to that. So Hamas have openly uh, written, even in their charter, that was accepted in 1988, that they exist to kill Jews and to wipe Israel off the map. But I want you to hear this. They don't just hate Jews. They they don't care about Palestinians. They don't care about Arabs. They don't care about anyone else. They are possessed with a spirit of violence. And so we arrived in Israel on October 9. On October 7, uh, Hamas attacked Israel And at the time, it was the Jewish Sabbath. Uh, Many, many people uh, were resting, as is their custom. It was also the last day of their biggest festival, the Festival of Tabernacles. Uh, It's like a celebration. It's like the last day of kind of the Christmas season for us. And so they were relaxed. They were chilling out and Hamas attacked them. They broke through a security fence and their aim was to kill, rape, torture and abduct as many People and actually to go further and take over Israel, which thankfully didn't happen. Uh, Their first port of call was a dance festival that was happening, and they actually, many of them, flew with um, paragliders over the fence into the dance festival, and there hundreds and hundreds of people were killed, raped, tortured. And many were taken hostage also. Once they'd finished there, they moved into these little villages that were close by uh, where the same sorts of terrible things happened. Uh, They don't care who they harm or who they kill. Uh, We're talking about babies, terrible things happening to babies, to children, to the young and the old. And uh, even now there are people uh, online who are saying, oh, did this event even take place? I want you to know you don't have to look far to see evidence of this event because uh, many of the terrorists wore GoPros to record what they were doing. Uh, When they were killing people, they even used their phones to call their loved ones and stream it on things like FaceTime. Uh, There is thousands and thousands of hours of footage of this event taking place. And it was horrific and it was evil. And so, of course, Israel responded and there has been heavy fighting uh, there in Gaza for almost two months now, which is an absolute tragedy. Um, there, at the time, there was, uh, there was over 240 people were taken hostage back into Gaza by Hamas. And over the past couple of weeks... About 100 of them have actually been released in an exchange deal and a ceasefire but recently uh, Hamas broke the contract of the ceasefire and war is going full steam ahead there once again. The reason I'm bringing this up because once again the enemy is coming to attack this covenant that God has made with his people. In John 10:10, 10, 10, Jesus said, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full." And I want you to hear this today is that the enemy wants to come and steal and destroy anything that God desires for you. He has no good intention for you. He literally wants to see you destroyed. The promises and the callings that God has on your life, He wants to steal them and take them away and destroy your future. But here is a great news, is that Jesus is the mighty overcomer. And so the enemy can have that, that, that fixation, but Jesus has the power. And there is hope in Jesus that anything that the enemy may even get to steal from you, God has more. He is abundant. He has everything that we need. If you've had joy taken from you, God has joy for you. If you've had hope taken from you, God has hope for you. If your heart's been broken, God is the one who can heal. If you've had funds taken from you, God can restore them. If, God's t- if the enemy's taken family from you, God can restore that. God is the one, He is the only one we can find hope in and He has unlimited resources. All right, so let me land this plane. Uh, How many people are still with me here? Okay. The question is this, the big question. So why do we need to know any of this? What difference does this make to us? As we head off to KFC after church today. (laughs) Is Israel relevant to us in any way? As I said to you, Israel is right through the Scriptures. Okay? Uh, Both historically and prophetically. Now, prophetically, as we read the Scriptures, we see that many things... Many prophetic things have been fulfilled. Some prophetic things are yet to be fulfilled. And some prophetic things have been fulfilled in part. So they've had one purpose in that season of time, but there's more to come to that prophecy. All right? The Bible, when it comes to Israel, is a prophetic signpost of the times that we're living in and what God is doing across the earth. So one of the things we have to be careful of is is what's called replacement theology. Replacement theology has come about because as we read the Scriptures, we see God talking about both Israel and particularly in the New Testament, we see God talking about the church. Now, based on our history lesson, we see that for so long, for so much of history, Israel and the church have never existed at the same time. There are two seasons of time where they've existed together. And that's when Jesus was alive until the Babylonians in AD 70, there was a tiny window there. We know that Pentecost came, the Holy Spirit was poured out and the church was born. So there's a little season there and then the season of time from 1948 when Israel was recognised and once again we had Israel and the church. Now in between those times, people have come to the Scriptures and tried to understand like what does this look like? What does the fulfilment of Israel that is promised in Scriptures actually look like when Israel doesn't seem to exist? Do you understand that? Now, as the Scriptures talk about the church, many people have concluded it must mean that the church has become the new Israel. Now, I want you to hear this. God has not turned His back on Israel. God has not forgotten Israel. God has a covenant with Israel that says they will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. God has chosen to reveal His glory to the earth through Israel. Now, does that mean that the church doesn't play a role? Not at all. Does this mean that Jesus isn't relevant in all of this? Not at all. They all come together. But what it does mean is that we don't get to just throw Israel out and think that the church has now come in and it's all about the church. As we start to, hear more and more about end times in this season. People are going to the Bible to say, well, what does, it, what does this say about what's going on in the world right now? And I often meet with people and there's, there's two key scriptures, one's in First 1 Thessalonians 5, one's in Matthew 24, one's from Paul, one's from Jesus. And both of them say that Jesus will return like a thief in the night, okay? Now for many people that means we don't actually have to worry about it in any way. Who, who even wants to talk about Jesus' return, right? Because no one knows the times, there's no point in giving this any attention whatsoever. But if you read both those passages, following that statement says, but I want you to watch. I want you to pay attention. I don't want this to be a surprise. This is coming from Paul and Jesus. I want you to hear this, that the events in Israel, God's heart for Israel, are these prophetic insights to what God is doing right now. Now, I'm not here to say, hey, we've all got to become these end time nutcases and, you know, um, everyone quit your job. Jesus is coming back soon. That's not what I'm saying today but I am saying we need to be ready. And there is an urgency in this hour that God is at work across the earth, both in Israel, in Australia, right across the earth. He's pouring out His Spirit and doing amazing things. And there will be a day, this is what we believe, when Jesus will come back for His people. None of us want anyone to miss out on what the Lord has for them. And so my encouragement to you is be prepared. No one gets to do this for you. This is about you and the Lord. Where are you at with the Lord? One last story as I finish up, one of the highlights for me in our time, our day in Israel uh, was going to the Western Wall. And uh, I've got a photo here of what, this is what the Western Wall um, looks like, quite commonly, particularly around special feasts and times like that. There are literally thousands of people that flock to this wall. Um, People come from all over the world to come and to pray here. And so in the background there, that section of wall is believed to be uh, the Western Wall of the temple. This is the temple that King Solomon built where God's glory came and dwelt. Uh, It was destroyed by the Babylonians. It was rebuilt again and the second temple was there, which was then destroyed again by the Romans. But this section of the wall remains. As, As we were walking up to the wall, even from 100 metres away, I could feel the presence of God. And I know this is so subjective and you can't feel what I felt and it's, you know, all this feeling stuff but I'm walking up to this wall. This pile of rocks. And I can feel the presence of the Lord. Now I know the presence of God. I've I've encountered the Lord many, many times. I've had amazing encounters with the Lord. I know his presence and this was a whole nother level. And I was able to walk up to the wall and I wanna show you a photo of what it looked like the day that we were there, there was no one there. In the gaps there, you can see all this paper and people bring their prayers to the Lord and they shove them in the gaps there and particularly the Jews meet there regularly and they say their prayers and read the Torah And this is a significant place, but I came to the wall just thinking, hey, this is a pile of rocks, you know, like Jesus isn't here, right? But as I walked up, the presence of the Lord hit me. It wasn't just me, it was our whole group. And the closer we got, we just had this, amazing sense of the dwelling, the Spirit of God there. It's hard for me to put into words even what that felt like. But in my spirit, it was like there was no no doubt in my mind that this had been the physical dwelling place of God on earth. And it was almost like the residual leftovers of His presence dwelling there was still there so strong. And I had this other sense in my spirit, the same thing was there is no doubt in my mind that this is the place where God will return to. That in time Jesus is gonna come back and for whatever reason, there is a geographical location where Jesus will be. In the fullness of what that means or what that looks like. But I'm starting to get it now. We need to be praying for Israel. We need to pray for the war. We need to pray that good will overcome evil. We need to pray for the people there on both sides. We need to pray that God would do a mighty move. We get to stand here today as people who still get to receive the blessing of God. And that's because God's heart is for all people. And by His grace, He's opened the doors to Gentiles. I'm not sure if there'd even be any Jews in this room. And yet we stand here and we worship the God of Israel, the one true God. And it's all because of His grace that He's even made it possible that we can be a part of His story. And so Father, this morning we just say, thank You, Lord. Thank You for who You are. Thank You that You're a God, You're over all of time. Thank You, God, that You are the Creator, God. Thank You that You're the same yesterday, today and forever, that You are the God of Israel and You're our God as well, Heavenly Father. Thank You that because of Your grace, because of Your love, because of Your mercy, You sent Your one and only Son, so that whoever believes in You will not perish, but have eternal life, God. Thank You that You make it possible for each one of us to be able to come into Your Kingdom. And Father, I pray for each one of us that You would continue to reveal Your heart for Israel as we pray for so many things in the Scripture. Lord, we want Your heart. We want Your heart for people. We want your heart for breakthrough, Father. We want your heart for salvation. We want your heart for healing, Father. And so Holy Spirit, we just invite you and welcome you. Come and have our hearts. And as we open our hearts to you, God, we just welcome everything that you wanna reveal to us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.